0: It's another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin. And I got to tell you, I was just saying before we started recording, Colin, this might be my favorite episode as we wind down season one of Camp Dynasty because we are talking about wide receivers this week, one of my favorite positions and one of your favorite positions in all of football
1: yeah absolutely we're gonna get down into our top 12 wide receivers Uh, we went 10 deep on the running back we went five deep on the quarterbacks this is going to be our deepest discussion yet and I'm sure we'll have plenty of honorable mentions to also go around Uh, but man this is the class the the reason we're talking about 12
0: is cuz it is so deep it's deep there's a lot of fun names and with that there's a lot to parse from this group who do you trust who do you see in a fantasy relevant role where are you drafting these guys some of them have massive ranges compared to you know who you talk to what sh- you know ADP you look at all of that stuff. So we're going to give you our take on this class in the post-draft environment. Obviously, if you'd like to hear more about these players as prospects and you know the strengths and weaknesses portions of their game, that's going to be in wide receiver rankings 2.0. You can go check that out. Uh, as we've been doing with quarterbacks and running backs, this will be a lot of how do they fit onto their team in the NFL and what do we expect to see In terms of fantasy production from these players, so like you said, we're doing twelve. I am going to start with my number twelve this week. I am not going to do what I did last week and start with number eleven. I know I had to
1: triple check my numbers too after last (laughs) because I did the same thing. I I just double. I had two running back fives, so I messed mine up too. I had to double and triple check. I had only twelve here.
0: And I also want to get ahead of another scandal that potentially was going to bust open after the running backs episode to any Rashad White managers or fans out there. I have to apologize because I called Rashad White a fifth round pick when in reality he was a third round selection by the Buccaneers last year. What I meant to say was should have been fifth-round pick Rashad I like that you're doubling down. So I just wanted to clear that. I just wanted to clear
1: that up. You know, the mob came with the pitchforks and torches to camp, and you were just like, hey, not my fault the guy stinks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My my point about Sean Tucker still stands, so just saying. Um, All right. Let's jump into it, Colin. We got 12 and probably a few more on top of that. So give me your 12th wide receiver.
1: Okay. And I I don't want you to be mad. Oh, boy. All right. I have Cedric Tillman as my wide receiver 12. Uh, <laughs> he went to the Browns in the third round. He is the 74th pick in the draft. Uh, I, I like this pick. Uh, I like the spot. I don't love it. I don't know. As I've gotten back into Tillman, I I like them, but I just couldn't love them. It feels like a a lot of the receivers that are really cool to watch and then it doesn't completely translate where they're not – I don't know. There, there's just a little to be desired left with Cedric Tillman, where he's he's going up over the top, people. It looks really sick, and I'm a little worried that it's not going to be an NFL skill. Wow! I know. Okay, I'm sorry. we're starting. I'm sorry. I knew
0: we were going to be wide ranging on this one. We're starting early. Oh. Um, I mean, first and foremost, what I will say is that this is probably more in line with where he's actually getting drafted in, in rookie drafts right now. That being said, he's not cl- here for me, and hes uh, I'm not even going to talk about him because he's not really even close to here. So okay. we can save it. We could save my take on it for a little bit later. But He's the rookie wide receiver 13, by the way. Okay, so in yeah, I mean, you're you're on it, man. I'm I'm putting my money where my mouth is with Tillman. So I like it. I like it. Um, all right. Well, my number twelve wide receiver in the class is Tyler Scott. So. This was a player that I had a little bit higher in my rankings pre-draft. I liked him as a potential, you know, sort of middle of the second type of pick, maybe late second pick. Um, And it was a little bit surprising to me that he ended up going on day three. Uh, I, I did expect him to be a day two pick. Uh, Was a fourth rounder to the Bears, which is an interesting spot because obviously they add DJ Moore and they have Darnell Mooney, but we know that the rest of the crew there is pretty bare. So maybe there are still opportunities. Yeah, you like that? Yeah, pretty bare. Maybe there are still opportunities for Tyler Scott. In fact, I think there are still opportunities for Tyler Scott to get involved depending on how... Uh, much passing volume they end up having this year. Um, but that's why he he falls to my number 12. Because he's more of a risky, uh, you know, kind of dart throw pick here. Um, and I have him ranked in the middle of the third round.
1: Okay. I have uh, Tyler Scott as my wide receiver 15. Uh, he's right at the top of my fourth round. And uh, the, the key word for me, like you said, is passing volume. They got DJ Moore there. They've got Mooney, uh, Komet, they seem to like. Uh, they traded for Chase Claypool. I feel like Poles is going to have to uh, convince their offense coordinator to get him some looks to justify spending the 32nd pick on him. Uh, so, and they only throw, they were only throwing like maybe 25 times a game. So, it's just hard to see unless some things start moving around there or Tyler Scott is just way better than I, I think he is to see him start to move up that depth chart and take somebody's job potentially. Because I, I feel like you got to be starting on 80 90% of passing snaps in order to be relevant in this offense, and I just don't see that happening. Totally fair. All right, number 11. My number 11 is Nathaniel Tank Dell of the Houston Texans. Uh, So there was a moment where I was like, man, Tank Dell should be higher than this. But the only reason I was thinking that is because of the clip that came out. And I'm trying not to be too impressionable. (laughs) The clip was CJ Stroud calling and telling him to go get Tank Dell. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's sick. But then you go and you back, go back and look at the measurables, and it's like, okay, this is still a little guy in a bad offense that might be getting better, but we don't know for sure with a rookie quarterback. That was in a fake system. So uh, temper the expectations on Tank Dell, but I like him a lot.
0: We talked about Tank Dell through the draft process. I like this player. But I did say a few months ago that I was going to have to fade Tank Dell because you just don't really see players of this size have significant volume in NFL offenses. That being said, he is my number 14th ranked receiver in the class just because they did spend day two capital on him. He does have this like relationship already with CJ Stroud, which can only work in his favor Um, So I'm excited to see what he can bring. I mean, obviously there's a lot of opportunities in Houston. We don't really know uh, anything about the receivers that they have there, which one is going to, you know, emerge this year as the target hog. So um, it's certainly up for grabs. And I do like the player. It's just, you know, when you're 165 pounds, it's it's tough to imagine uh, a big role for you. (laughs)
1: Yeah, five eight one sixty five. Just to yeah, be clear, yes. in case anybody
0: doesn't know, that this is like I said, a little guy. My number eleven wide receiver is Rasheed Rice. Which now here is a conversation potentially, because okay. I have begun to see the Chiefs' effect happening yes, here. Yes. I I did see a screenshot literally today of a draft in which Rasheed Rice went in the first round of a Dynasty rookie draft.
1: That's bad process, people.
0: It's very bad process, and this is a very interesting player because this is a name that you've heard a lot if you've listened to Camp Dynasty through the college football season. He was sort of set up to be – The quote unquote, my guy of the class. And I kept, every time I revisited him, I just kept losing a little bit of that shine that I saw from him during the season. Uh, And he ends up here at number 11. So that is a top of the third grade for me currently. Um the situation is obviously juicy, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw it all in just because he is paired with Patrick Mahomes.
1: Yeah, I have him higher. Mm-hmm. Um but I'll I'll comment on him. I, I have him as my wide receiver eight. Okay. So a few spots higher. And I I liked Rasheed Rice before the draft process. He, I actually had him higher before the draft process. If you remember, I think he was my wide receiver five in our wide receiver rankings. Uh, mm-hmm. He fell a little bit as I dug deeper pre-draft, and then he gets a little bit of a boost from the Chiefs landing spot. So that he was my wide receiver nine pre-draft, and then the draft, the landing spot, brings him up to eight. So that's kind of where that comes from. Uh, but, I mean he's such an interesting player because you talk about like a jack-of-all-trades master of none and it's like truly rishi rice and that can go one of two ways where he can easily be the master of none (laughs) which can just make him a perennial 600 yard receiver three touchdowns and he's sitting on your bench and you're like I should start him that week (laughs) and then start him the next week and he gets you like four points and he can easily be that player and you just hold on to him because he's attached to Patrick Mahomes and all that but he could also go into a spot where he is a consistent reliable target in a Patrick Mahomes offense and that's where it's you you get the allure and that's where the person sells himself and he becomes a first round pick which again bad process I have him at the middle of the second round. So, like, the bottom middle of the second round. So, uh, I like Rasheed Rice. I love the landing spot,
0: but he's limited. So, he's my wide receiver eight. And, I mean, it's not that long ago, Sky Moore was in a very similar position as Rasheed Rice is right now, where he was getting, his ADP was getting juiced because he was on the Chiefs, they were not going to just throw him into the fire immediately. They had, you know, they had just signed MBS. They had Juju. Then they bring in Tony. I mean, like, they were not, like, forcing the ball to Sky Moore. And I Travis think Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Don't forget. <laughs> don't forget about the target, the number one target. Okay. He's still there as well. So I just think that. It's easy to dream of what this can look like, even if he's not a, you know, grade A NFL player. But there are a surprising number of potential, you know, targets in that offense. And I don't know if it's going to look like people think it is to the point where I think Rasheed Rice at the end of this year is a buy low because that's what Sky Moore is (laughs) right now. So there you go.
1: I, I like that A little by low action. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that Clyde Edward Hilaire got the <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs boost, so we can just rinse and repeat this every yeah. is year. Is there
0: such things at, at such thing as a Chiefs boost? I mean, that's all fab. That's big, big dynasty right big there. Big dynasty. That's Kadarius
1: Tony. Is he getting the Chiefs boost? I think but he's he plays, getting a little bit of that. I think he plays like eighteen snaps a game, and like. <laughs> He might score hey, on three of them, but
0: but you know you get the sleeper notification that they want to feature him this season, and right, you know, I'm gonna throw my firsts at him while I can. That so. almost happened to me with Tank Dell.
1: So the sleeper notification, they're like, "Yeah, C.J. Stroud wanted him." I was like, oh. <laughs>
0: he's, like "He's wide receiver a, six,
1: gonna get 160 targets." <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, wide receiver ten. Then I don't think yours has been accounted for. It is not. My
1: wide receiver ten is the Blitnikoff winner, Jalen Hyatt of the New York Giants. Uh, so me too. Me too for for wide receiver ten.
0: Yeah, we're lo- we we finally got one. We're yes. locked in outside of the top five. There it is. Uh,
1: so they traded up I believe into the third round into the 73rd pick to take Jalen Hyatt and man this Giants team is weird I tell you what their wide receiver room is even weirder but Jalen Hyatt can be a field stretcher we know that and if he's better than what we think he is because he didn't get to showcase everything that he got to do that's kind of what the narrative that he's been pushing is that, like, just because I didn't do it doesn't mean I can't do it kind of vibe? And he didn't get to do a lot in the Tennessee offense other than run straight and score a bunch of touchdowns, which led to, like, 1,600 yards and a lot of touchdowns and the award for being the best wide receiver in college football. Pretty good, oh, Jalen. Uh But he still got drafted in the third round. Why is that? Well, because he's a limited route runner. And he ran in a fake offense with Hennon Hooker and company. So now he's on the Giants. He brings a vertical element to that team that they desperately need because their wide receiver room was not dynamic at all, especially towards the end of last year when everybody was hurt. So now they have Darren Waller. They have... Hopefully, some healthy guys in that room. Whichever slot ends up starting for them, maybe Wandale, maybe Sterling Shepherd, maybe uh, who knows. And then you get Jalen Hyatt, and he can take the top off, and Dan Jones can show off his cannon of an arm that we all know he has. So Jalen Hyatt, why did you pretend?
0: Man, I gotta tell you, we were not Hyatt fans here for the entirety of the process, but that always comes with a caveat because you're always fighting against what's expected. And then when Jalen Hyatt is a third round pick, you're like, Oh yeah, that's, that's perfect. That's exactly where he should have gone. And he goes to the team that needed him, that was getting mocked him in the first round. Mm -hmm. So it suddenly becomes a player that was overhyped, overvalued to a player that is, Exactly where he should be, and an interesting potential deep threat in this in this offense that doesn't really have anything. Daniel Jones, whatever you want to say about him, is surprisingly effective pushing the ball down the field, mm-hmm. and now he has the premier deep threat of this draft class. Uh, you know, it, playing the flanker in a in a in a budding offense with Brian Dayball. It's an exciting situation and I'm I have Hyatt at the end of the second round, um, which is where I was going to probably draft him regardless not that he would have ever made it there had he been a first round pick, but now he kind of slots right where I right where I'm comfortable taking him to the point where it's honestly almost an exciting late round late second rounder uh, with with some upside
1: yeah i have him right at the bottom of the second round as well so i i don't know there's probably somebody in your league that's gonna really like jalen hyatt yeah. and is gonna overdraft him so that's going to be a little bit annoying because like how many shares are you gonna get at a realistic adp like where you feel like you're getting value and somebody's like oh, this guy won the politicoff like whatever right you, oh why yeah. is he falling to <laughs> yeah. the bottom of the second round but uh they have a new offense coordinator over with the Giants, uh, Mike Kafka, who was with the Chiefs before. So that's interesting too. Um, so, yeah, uh, Jalen Hyatt, new Tyreek Hill. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Easy as that.
0: Yeah. All right. So, like I said, Hyatt was my number 10. I'll go with my number 9 because I'm pretty sure we covered yours. Am I, am I correct? Uh, am no. I wrong? You are okay. wrong, okay. Well, but I'm... you can go ahead. Okay, I'll go. So my number nine is Marvin Mims Jr. Hey, me too. There it is, man. Here we go. So um, this one caught me off guard just a little bit on uh, when he was selected just because, like, you see the Broncos and you're just sort of like – it's a very weird team. Russell Wilson obviously has a terrible season. Courtland Sutton is a declining asset. Jerry Judy still hasn't really broken out. It just doesn't seem like a great place for wide receivers. But when you really take a step back and, and look at this thing, I mean, it's a second round, second round pick, and very end of the second round, but a second round pick nonetheless. Marvin Mims Jr., a player that I liked a lot pre-draft, had a second round grade on him gets confirmed with the pick, and the fact that the room isn't solidified therefore makes it that there is a major opportunity here for Marvin Mims Jr. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, he's in this you know same sort of tier for me where I'm picking him uh, last quarter of the second round. Um, you know, I have him 21st right now um, and feeling pretty good about that.
1: Yeah, I have I have Mims at twenty three, I have Hyatt at twenty four. So they are right up next to each other. Mims is like I said in my wide receiver nine. And he comes into an interesting Bronco situation to say the least, like he said. I mean, you get your first year of Sean Payton. He's bringing in some of his old buddies. You got Lil' Jordan Humphrey and Marquez Calloway signing with the Broncos. You also have K.J. Hamler and Tim Patrick coming back from injury, in addition to the guys that you mentioned with Sutton and Judy, where it, there's just a lot of guys, and none of them are great. So Mims has an opportunity to you know, impress Sean Payton and just take a job because that's what happens with new coaching staffs is – you go get your guy, I mean, like you said, second-round pick, and let him try to solidify himself in this offense. And if he can just look better than K.J. Hamler, who is the like-bodied player to him in this offense, then he could easily just take his job. And I wouldn't be surprised by that, honestly, because Mims, in my opinion, is a much better player. Uh the Hamler is a gadgety guy that is a good deep threat, and Mims is a pretty complete receiver uh so man this this offense if it's as gross as it was last year, the bottom of the second's not a bad spot to be getting a wide receiver in the offense, especially since it should be turning over to put the, even like getting beyond the Russ era you know it won't hurt to have a pretty decent receiver that can you know run some good routes play multiple positions and make a little bit happen after the catch
0: yeah that's I'm mostly interested to see how they deploy him what kind of role does he have because I think there was you know a time where it's like is he just going to be the field stretcher for a team and how much does that cap his value or do they see him as more than that And I'd like to believe that them selecting him in the second round says that, you know, we have plans for this guy. He's not just our take-the-top-off 4-3 speed. I mean, that's what he does best. That's what he did best at Oklahoma, but he does more than that, and I think he can be more than that. So we'll see what that actually looks like.
1: Now we'll go to your eight because my eight is Rishi Rice.
0: Boom. All right. I'm up again. So my number eight is Jaden reed so i mean what a rise first of all i mean shocking shocking pick um this is a this is a player that we both i think kind of had a little bit of a crush on through the process especially coming out of the senior bowl where there was a lot of momentum Um, he didn't have the best season at michigan state this is a player that i was monitoring pretty closely he didn't quite have the season that i was expecting but then you get to the senior bowl and suddenly you see this momentum building where it's it's a fast player it's a quick twitch athlete that can run some nasty routes and that carried him all the way to the second round where the packers selected him uh pretty early in that round so what does that mean um i mean i have him right now at 20th overall so he's right in that sort of Mims range same thing we were just discussing I think there's situations where he's going to be drafted a little bit higher than that just because of the draft capital and obviously the situation in Green Bay could be construed as a little bit wide open um outside of you know Christian Watson we'll see what sort of you know role Dobbs has this year in terms of fantasy but I think there's a lot of excitement about Jaden Reed in the slot in Green Bay and what that looks like, and I'm certainly excited to see it. But I also don't want to—I don't want to overcorrect either.
1: It's really hard not to overcorrect. <laughs> Did you do it? No, I have him in my wide receiver seven. Okay. Uh, I have him 15 overall. I have okay. Bryce at 19 overall, so there's a little tier jump there for me. But, man, do I – I really like Jaden Reed. You can go back before the draft. I had a tweet where I put out all my guys, and Jaden Reed was on there. So this is before he was Green Bay Packer. Receded. I just want to put that out there because you could say, like, oh, what a homer. You know, this, that, draft, coming to Green Bay, speaking of homer, 2025. Hey. I'll be there. (laughs) 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 Uh, But – Jaden Reed will also be there because he's a Green Bay Packer. And, man, 50th overall, they'd go and get him in the second round. We were asking for a technician out of the slot to be drafted the Packers. We wanted Jackson. <laughs> we wanted one from the Big Ten, yeah, but we right. got a different
0: one from the Big Ten. Right.
1: We wanted Jackson, but uh, got Jaden Reed, like, you know, 30 picks later. And I feel good about it. I feel good about the spot because we don't have a slot receiver. Dobbs is a question mark in terms of how much can he actually do on an NFL level? Like, is this a real piece or is this like just a fun, you know, a little playmaker that can do a lot of things? Kind of like how I felt about Rasheed Rice. You know, it's it's kind of a similar thing where they can do a lot of good things, but... Is there real production there? So I think Jaden Reed fills a role here where you get your athlete that can stretch the field, run after the catch in Watson, and then you get your guy that can break down a defender with Jaden Reed. And I think there's a lot of targets available to Jaden, and he can eat them up.
0: And of course, a lot of this depends on what Jordan Love looks like Absolutely. and what the offense looks like this year and moving forward. So there are some question marks here, but the player is very exciting. And yes. I, yeah, mid-second for me. Um, all right. So that leaves us at wide receiver seven,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which you just did. Yes, with Jaden Reed. So I'm up again.
1: Yes. You shouldn't have stole my Marvin Mims spot. Uh,
0: I know, I know. But here's here's a good one because we're going to finally talk about Cedric Tillman because oh, he's coming is. in as my wide receiver seven. This is the tier break that you just alluded to as well. Um, I have Jaden Reed at 20. We jump all the way up to 14 for me with Cedric Tillman. So, um, yeah, this is one that I just – I've been I've been really wrestling with this. You know, like on one hand, you get the you get the day 2 draft pick, you get the third round selection, you're going to a spot where there are opportunities. Like Amari Cooper is getting older. There's nothing else really there. They trade for Elijah Moore, he's playing in the slot. Donovan Peoples-Jones is like probably the player that gets replaced if Cedric Tillman does what he should do. Um, And I hope he does. And I hope we get to see a lot of this player this year. And, you know, obviously Deshaun Watson, you know, doesn't have a good season last year. You expect that to change. And maybe this offense looks a little bit different in year two with Watson. But I just I can't ignore the talent in terms of what I saw pre-draft. And it's hard for me to drop him, um, you know, even in the midst of some players that got drafted ahead of him. Um, That being said, I did, if you remember from wide receiver rankings 2.0, I did drop him uh, a couple of spots. So I, I did adjust slightly. It's not total bias.
1: Yeah, I like I said before I I think the spot is good uh he's got to get through David Bell and that might <laughs> <be>. <laughs> No this uh I, I'd like I mean I mean I I don't want to just uh, like r- repeat everything I said before but I I just I had some some issues some red flags jump up with Tillman I don't and I, I don't think he's bad like I think I said it at the top of the pod I like pretty much my whole top 12 like i am happy if i come out of the draft with any of these guys so it's not the fact that i think tillman stinks i just think you know there's a, a little more upside to be seen with these other guys
0: that's fair and i will say this is my type and it has gone both ways for me so i live and die by this type of wide receiver and i will yeah. continue to do that it's true number six yes number six is
1: carolina panthers wide receiver jonathan mingo so this is uh he's my 14th overall so top around two and i i liked didn't love the player i i thought that he was interesting we we had a conversation about him on our wide receivers pod and uh or on our the comparisons pod and you know we maybe you got a little carried away calling him aj brown you know but i also called him to kill harry so that that's that hedges your bets you know that's a wide range of outcomes that's for
0: why me. they call it this or that
1: baby that's right so I think that Jonathan Mingo just has a clear path to a bunch of targets. And it's pretty simple. Like he can, He's going to be a guy that Bryce can check down to and can go get some yards. He can work in the intermediate where Bryce is very accurate. And even though he's short, he's really good over the middle of the field. Uh, so I think that their play styles mesh together really well, and there's no clear cut wide receiver one in the Panthers room. And the fact that they drafted Mingo at 39 overall is kind of a stamp of approval where they're saying, Hey, this, we think he's the real deal. And we think he can be our number one
0: guy in this next era of Panthers football. Yeah. Listen, draft capital is not everything. Okay. But when you see a team go out and, and take a player like this, that wasn't real. I mean, there was a lot of momentum late in the process. And I think that just means that folks were hearing that the NFL liked this player quite a bit more than the media was leading on. He fit a little bit differently into this class. And I think you and I sort of both went on that journey as it was happening. It was mm-hmm. like, you know, maybe we should revisit this guy that, you know, was interesting during the season. And I think what you see is a hyper-athletic player that just wasn't, I mean, the old Miss offense is just, it wasn't really conducive to showing what he is fully capable of. What you see is a lot of gadget plays, manufactured touches, getting him open down the field in this RPO spread offense. And I think there is question marks about, you know, what can he do? There's there's a little bit more wide receivering that I think we all need to see that didn't really happen last year. But the reason that you, you end up walking away and, and liking this player a lot, and I'll just say here I have him as my number five wide receiver in this class, is because he gives you so much to work with. He has size that a lot of these players don't have. He has speed that a lot of these players don't have. He is a bit of a project, but they were comfortable taking him at the top of the second and letting him be, like you said, the sort of featured piece in this new look offense where DJ Moore is gone, Bryce Young is in, and there's just a lot of names here. Mingo's going to have every opportunity to make his impact, and we will get to see what sort of development he will have over his first couple years in the league. I don't expect it to be, you know, out of the gate like production with I, a player like yeah, this. I like, agree. You're going to have to be a little bit patient, but I have him at number 12. I'm taking him the end of the first round this year. 24, 24 by low Jonathan
1: Mingo. <laughs> there it is, fancy. We, <laughs> we're already getting ahead of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I agree that this is a little bit of a developmental piece because that Ole Miss offense is just a little, I mean, maybe it, it, this, did Matt Corral throw him the ball last year? Was that a thing?
0: Yeah. 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 yeah maybe, yeah. maybe he, you know, he, he was gonna, he was going to come out last year and he had a foot injury and I right. think that's why he stayed and it, the name just sort of fell off the radar until post season. And it was, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so
1: maybe a little Matt Corral mentoring, you know, bring them into the facility, show them where the good places to go. eat are, you know, tell them where a good place to live is, you know, you know where, where you put your stuff in the locker room so nobody goes through your bag, you know, that kind of thing.
0: Just got to have a friend, man. Got to have That's a friend. Right. It helps. Seriously. All right. I don't want to make assumptions. But I think you know who my number six player is. I would assume so. I mean, unless you have him off your board. (laughs) I did. Yeah, he's gone. He's (laughs) Josh Downs is my number six. He's my number five. Okay, so man. We're on a bit of a journey with Josh Downs <laughs> in the ADP land right now. And it, it got it got to the point I think where coming out of the draft you you know Indianapolis he go first of all he goes lower than you think he's going to go. I think we expected Josh Downs to go in the Mingo Reed territory of the draft and he falls to the 3rd round. Um so, right away, you're sort of like questioning everything you know, like what is wrong, what's going on here. Obviously, we've been talking about this player since the very beginning of college football last year a top five wide receiver for us in the preseason. Um, and honestly, what I think we saw coming out of the draft and with early rookie drafts was that he was getting pushed down the board to a point where Josh Downs was becoming an absolute steal. I mean, there was an ADP that I looked at recently that had Josh Downs at 22nd overall. And cool. I was in a draft where Josh Downs went at about that spot. So I think it's just, I, I think this is one of the best values in rookie drafts this year. If you are in a league that is fading Downs into the late second. I have him currently at 13th. So Mingo's at 12, 12, and Downs is at 13. I see them in the same tier, taking Downs with an early second. Wouldn't blame you at all if you still spent that late first on him. This player still has so much talent, man. And the situation is just fine. The only thing that worries me is Anthony Richardson because we're going to need to see an offense that can sustain at least two wide receivers with Michael Pittman there. We're going to need to see Anthony Richardson be capable of that. If that happens, the opportunity is there for him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The the there, There's two things that concern me with Downs, and if he can get past it – I, I kind of have him at his ceiling with my with my ranking, which concerns me a little bit. I have him at nine overall, which is you know bottom of the first. Um, but I believe in you know I I am in the Anthony Richardson fan club, so if I I'm expecting that to go well. The thing that I worry about most is that he's five eight one seventy two, that that's the thing where it's like okay, this is a little guy. You know, Tank Dell, also a little guy. Josh Downs, in the same club. I mean, Downs is only eight pounds heavier than Tank Dell. The thing that separates Downs from Dell is Downs is a monster at the catch point, which is just crazy to think about. I mean, you go back and you revisit it, and it's like, yeah, he just wins jump balls over and over again, and that brings him here where – if him and Richardson can mesh well and, you know, you see some camp videos of Richardson throwing Downs the ball and it makes it feel a little better. And so I, man, this feels too high, but I'm sticking with it. I feel great. It's,
0: it's, it's not, it's not too high. Like I, I really do think that Josh Downs is like, I, I don't know, man. He's so good. He's so good. I mean, we talked about this for so many months here. Like, and I think, you know, yeah. Third round 80th overall, like it, it's a little bit different than what you expect. And I think that's, that's what makes it very easy to be like, you know, are, am I still too, am I too high on this guy? I don't think you can say that right now. Cause I think this, like you, you, like you're saying, the situation is good the player is great and honestly like yeah the size is it's always been the biggest concern with him from day 1 mm-hmm. but he's a stockier guy the 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 frame is a little bit different than some of these smaller players in the class and he shows you that he can win in contested situations obviously not the most physical player but I don't think it hurts him too much. Playing out of the slot, he's a technician, and he can be a safety blanket in this offense. He also doesn't get hit. Yeah, he's he, one of those guys. He is where he he'll go
1: down before you get hit. Yeah, so yep. that that makes him a little more palatable than somebody that like willingly takes on contact at 170 pounds. He
0: he knows yep. his limitations. So we're we're all caught up here. So. Yep. Number four, then. This is where, if you know anything about the class, we're jumping into the final frontier here at number four. So who is your number four? My number four, and this this is a little bit of
1: a fall for this player, Zay Flowers. Okay. So Zay went to the Ravens they went at pick 22 in that little wide receiver run in the first round 20 through 23 um and do i like the ravens landing spot is the main question and i have been going just crazy trying to think if i like this or not because i like do i think lamar is a great player yes do I think the passing volume is capped? I do. And I think there's a lot of interesting targets here, to say the least, in Baltimore. I mean, you you still have Rashad Baton coming back from injury, who they took in the first round a couple of years ago. They sign Odell to this, like, mercenary contract. They have Mark Andrews there. I mean... Like Duvernay's still gonna get a few touches a game, and then that's just the passing game. And then you add Zay Flowers into here, who's a fun electric guy, and is you know, can take the top off and is one of the better players in the class, if not the best player, after the catch. And it's it's tantalizing to like take this guy and be like, I got Zay Flowers, I got the best receiver, on a top five offense in the league when Lamar's healthy. But they also run the hell out of the ball. But that could change new offense coordinator. So that this is where the push and pull comes for
0: me. So that's where I was going to go with this. Greg Roman obviously is gone. Todd Munkin comes in. And from watching college football the last couple of years, most people are familiar with Todd Munkin it was with Georgia. Now it's not going to be one for one. He Todd Munkin has been in the NFL before he had to go to Georgia at, I think his last stint was in Cleveland. If I'm not mistaken, that's usually the point is coaches go to die. And then they yeah, go to college. Right, exactly. So he's back here with Baltimore one thing I will say is I'm excited to see how this offense changes around Lamar Jackson because I think you might see a situation where they don't force the run game so much here. And they, you know, we get to see a little bit more of what Lamar is capable of in an offense that is looking to spread the field a little bit, to create space four players like Zay Flowers. And I think that's something that excites me is that if if this goes the way that the Ravens, you know, hope that it goes and that we hope that it goes, then I think you might see a little bit of a different scenario here with some of these receivers in Baltimore where guys like Rashad Bateman who have sort of, you know, been in this purgatory space after being first round dynasty picks maybe this is the year where we get to see a little bit more of that if he can if he can stay healthy and maybe we can see zay flowers operating at a high level um because the talent is it, it's it's good and it you know it's great this was our number 2 wide receiver in the class pre-draft um he is number 3 for me at this point he comes in at 5th overall in the class um and yeah i'm i'm excited to see what we're gonna get in baltimore this year more than anything else
1: yeah all these guys all these wide receivers that we're gonna talk about are all right next to each other and landing spot was one of the yeah. big things for me where definitely and since they all had like the same draft capital in ter- in like the nfl's eyes too it's yep. it was so hard to like parse yeah, this guy two, three, four, and it, honestly, it's a pick or poison kind of thing. Where whatever you feel comfortable with in this four, five, six range, whatever your
0: heart is telling you, I think that's where you go. Yeah, it, I mean that's definitely true, and I think this is the most interesting range of the first round, no doubt about yeah. it. Is when you come out of the top group, and you're gonna start taking wide receivers. What does that look like? And, you know, it, I think there's a lot of folks that have those picks or had those picks that are, you know, having interesting conversations with themselves as to what do I trust? You know, yeah, <laughs> I'm That's looking me. at one of them. I know yeah. that. <laughs> so, uh, well, on that, on that note, I mean, Zay Flowers is my number three wide receiver and Quentin Johnston is my number four wide receiver so um this is a player man that i think if you listen to camp dynasty consistently enough you probably have gotten to the point where you don't trust the you don't (laughs) trust the talent anymore you're a little bit scared and i'm scared too man like i'm not just saying stuff this player does scare me a little bit and that's why he is at the bottom of this group he is my number four behind the other two names that I would consider in the same tier. Um, But at the end of the day, the Chargers went out, grabbed him in the first round. It's a great spot, and I think we talked about this in our post-draft episode where this is not a situation where he is going to be relied upon early. He will have an opportunity to develop here and be with, be in the room with two really, really, really good NFL wide receivers. So I think the situation could not have been better. I don't think this is a player where you're getting a massive return on investment in year one. I think if you're taking this player in the middle of the first, that has to come with an expectation that this is more of a developmental season he is not going to be a major contributor, which is honestly what we should always expect from our rookie wide receivers. It just so happens that guys like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson made it so that everybody feels like we need to have major production out of wide receivers in year one. That has n- almost never been the case. So yeah. uh, I, I'm excited to see how Quentin Johnson can develop in L.A. and and you know hopefully develop into Justin Herbert's new number one target. Have has LSU ruined
1: prospects scouting? <laughs> yeah, coming up next. <laughs> yeah, I I have Johnson. He's my wide receiver three. So it's just this Chargers spot, man. It is perfect. It's like it's juicy. We we talked pre-draft about uh, man. The Chargers got to take receiver at twenty-one. They got to go receiver they got to get speed in this offense. This, this offense was slow. You know, Keenan's slow. Uh, Mike Williams is in a burner. Josh Palmer's pretty slow. Oh, Gerald Everett, man. The A-dot is so low. And then they get Kellen Moore. And the, you know that he likes to push the ball down the field. He has fun concepts to run. And he's out of the Mike McCarthy prison that he mm-hmm. was trapped in where he had to you know defer some play calling to him so we get a hopefully opened up version of the Chargers offense and man he looked a little disappointed at the rookie premiere I don't know what was going on there he didn't look very happy Uh, but I'm man I love this spot I just I feel really good about it and you know, another another uh, by low 2024 is going to have a disappointing start. I, I feel like this is going to be a similar to, like, Burke's rookie year where you see some flashes and it's like, oh, yeah, Quinn Johnson. But at the end of the day, like, the, the final stat line just doesn't look very good. And it's not going to be because of, you know, Burke's obviously injuries and all that, but Johnson it's going to be because he's behind – Good players so unless the same thing that happened last year where you know uh keenan got hurt and mike williams got hurt and they were down to like the they're reaching to the back of the cupboard to find that last can of soup to eat that they, they unless they get into that situation again and johnson has to be a high volume target i think he'll be able to ease into this
0: role and look really good and that seems like a perfectly plausible situation <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. At least one of these guys is getting hurt for a significant portion of the year. So um yeah. I'm I'm excited to see it, man. I I if he ha if we see flashes, that will be enough for me. I just want to see that he- there is something there um with this player that can become a lot more. Uh all right. So that leaves us at number two. And Obviously here, that's Jordan Addison. Obviously. because, Well, I think we both know, and I think anybody who's listened to us speak knows who number one is. Jordan Addison was not my number two wide receiver pre-draft, like I said. That was Zay Flowers. Jordan Addison was your wide receiver four, five? Could have been. I think he was four. Okay. The point is that this is a player that was helped by his landing spot more than anybody else. That's what I'm trying to say because the Vikings, it couldn't have gone better for Jordan Addison. As a player where you can have questions about his size, and I do. Believe me, I do, and I know you do too, but I think – you're going to have a situation here where it won't be that big of a deal because he's not going to be playing against press coverage. He's going to be playing in their Z role. He's going to be probably playing out of the slot. They're going to be able to mix him and match him. But Justin Jefferson is on the other side of things. Yeah. And that that is going to help him a lot. And I think that is – and there's a lot of targets to be had here with Adam Thielen, you know, obviously gone. We'll see how big of a role TJ Hawkinson has, but I still think at the end of the day there are a lot of targets going to Jordan Addison this year. And so we're going to find out really quick how much the size is going to affect him in the NFL.
1: Yeah. I – man, this is going to be – This, this is the, I talked about Johnson being the perfect landing spot and I feel great about it, but in terms of producing immediately, Addison is the, the best spot and that's because of Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins. I mean, I'll say it once, I'll say it a hundred times, no matter what you think about Kirk Cousins, he throws for a lot of yards. And he is a productive quarterback. So Addison is going to play almost all of their passing snaps, I would assume, is if he can unseat K.J. Osborne as their second wide receiver, which I would assu- I would assume a you know number 23 pick should be able to do. Somebody that has won the Blitnikoff award, had a little bit of a down year last year, but was also banged up quite a bit. Uh Man, this is gonna be a really nice. He's the perfect complement to Justin Jefferson. He will be working against the number two corner. Uh, they, I mean, all of the attention is gonna be on eighteen, and Addison will be able to feast on the corners. Cause, man, this this is this could not have been better. This is nice. So yeah, yeah he he jumped up to buy wide receiver too. Like I said, pick your poison with these guys, but if you want production year one, Addison is your guy.
0: Yeah. The the floor here is what sells it. I mean, what I'd imagine the floor is is what sells it because I think you're talking about players here. Uh, mostly for me, Zay Flowers, but definitely Quentin Johnson as well. Higher ceilings. Lo- and higher long-term ceilings, I think, with those players. But – in a class like this and in this range of the draft fourth overall is where i have addison you i i am prioritizing a little bit of safety or perceived safety with jordan addison and that's why he ends up in this spot over the others for me
1: yeah i i agree there where it's Quentin Johnson, Zay Flowers have paths to becoming the wide receiver one on their teams, while Addison does not have that path. I mean, like we said, the reason that he's going to be so good is also the reason the ceiling is capped, because Justin Jefferson is on the other side. So he will not be the wide receiver one on his own team, while Quentin Johnson has a path to that, because Keenan and Mike can both be on the way out sooner rather than later and then say flowers also is could just be better than rashad bateman and odell's obviously not going to be there for very long so uh i uh, addison's ceiling is capped by the fact that his long-term ceiling like you said is capped because he will not be that guy on his team
0: let's talk about number one yeah let's do it and what a player. What a journey. What a journey to get here. Talk to me about the number one wide receiver in this class. Jackson,
1: Smith, and Jakeba, Number two on my board. Number one wide receiver. He went to the Seattle Seahawks. And some people see that as a bad thing. I mean, why would you... He's on a good offense. There's a lot of mouths to feed, which I mentioned with the Zach Charbonnet conversation, but uh, he's got to be one of the priorities because Tyler Lockett is going to be on his way out pretty soon. You would assume they can get out of that contract pretty soon. I think he's a free agent after this year or else he can be cut after this year. And then you're looking at just DK Metcalf and JSN in this offense in terms of high quality passing targets. And they are just perfect complements to each other. And Jackson could be I mean I don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. He could be the best wide receiver on this team today. And I'm not I love DK. I have DK shares. I, I don't I don't mean to disrespect the DK people, but DK is a limited player. We we all know that. We've known that since he's been drafted. And Jackson is just can run run every route in the book. He has great hands. He can run he can get contested catches. He's good around the sideline. He's good after the catch. I mean there are very few flaws in JSN's game. So do with that what you will, but I'm taking Jackson above anybody not named Bijan.
0: Yep. Same number two on my board. I mean, to further the point that you brought up, Lockett has an out after this season. So the writing is on the wall here, I think. And even then, these three can fit together this season. Same kind of conversation that we've had with basically every single one of these guys. Don't expect a ton in year one. I mean, this is not the kind of class where you're going to see that. I think there is a certainly an opportunity here where Jackson is just so good that he really grabs the bull by the horns and has a really, really productive rookie season. I just am not going to expect that in the current environment that he's in. And also, I mean, this is a guy who didn't really play football last year either. So yeah. I think there's a situation here where, you know, he's the future alongside of DK Metcalf. Absolutely. It might not all come this year, but he's a younger player. He will grow into this role. And I think within two to three years, I'll say three years, within three years, I think he becomes a top dynasty wide receiver. I think he's on this slot arc that we've seen with some of these other players where He's gotten pigeonholed into this like weird, like low ceiling thing because he's a slot player by year three, it'll be shattered and he will be viewed as one of the best assets in the game because he's just that good. And, and whether or not you play exclusively slot in today's NFL really doesn't matter in terms of fantasy production, because it's it's a passing league man there's three wide receivers on the field all the time the best some of the best wide receivers in the game are playing out of the slot and i think jackson is up next
1: i also think jackson can play outside of the slot like yeah i yes i think the narrative has has swirled i i know i know you believe this and i i know that the, the point is, he can be successful even if he plays only out of the slot. But I've, this is like a chicken or egg conversation that is similar to the Jalen Hyatt conversation, where it's like, well, he wasn't asked to do anything else, so how do we know for sure? But with Jackson, he is so good at everything that he is asked to do. Why would you believe that he can't just do it closer to the boundary? And, like, do you think he's going to have an issue getting pressed? Because I don't. <laughs> like, I don't think that you would want to get anywhere near him to put your hands on him. And I, I just feel like the the narrative is one thing and the reality of it's another.
0: Yeah, it's 100%. And, I mean, like, I, I think it, it gets lost a little bit because of this, like, slot label that gets tacked on him. He's six foot. Right. He's six foot 196. Okay? Like, this is not Josh Downs. This yeah. is not, you know, this Can't isn't tell. Jordan Addison. This isn't Zay Flowers. Like, he has a bit of size to him. He doesn't have this, like, speed, but he doesn't need that because he's so crafty. And I think that works whether and, – and honestly, you know, he excels in the slot. We've seen him, you know, just – annihilate people from the slot why not move him outside across from dk metcalf who is playing your ex who is winning down the field he's being physical move jackson around get him outside you're telling me he's not going to be able to win on off coverage playing from the from the z position i mean like he's going to be able to do anything you want him to do across from dk metcalf so i think it's all very overblown and I do think that, you know, there are situations here where folks would want to take Gibbs at number two. And that's totally fine because I get oh, yeah. the running back premium and, you know, obviously the draft capital there is, that's all fine and dandy. I just see this as a really, really, really talented player that has a very long and productive NFL future ahead of him.
1: Talk about Jackson like he's a white guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's crafty and he you know breaking he, he,
0: stereotypes <laughs> if there's anything he couldn't do he can do everything he's he can good at a lot of stuff
1: he's a little slow but he you know he gets it done he runs great routes and you know first one in last one out. Uh, he's a scrapper no.
0: <laughs> special man it's been a long uh, time coming with this I one and, i hope I mean, this
1: isn't like take lock by us you know, I'm I, sitting here and I don't I don't, think feel, so. I don't
0: think so either. Like the the
1: thing is like the Gibbs versus Jackson conversation. I think a lot goes into that when it comes to team building. But yes. I I think right. independent of all that, Jackson's just the better asset and will be for the long term.
0: In a vacuum, you know? Like it's it's in a vacuum. So if you need a running back, sure, go ahead and take Gibbs in a vacuum. I have a significantly enough higher grade on Jackson. And he got the wide receiver one capital in the NFL that like for so long, we had to hear about that. You know, we fought against that for a long time. A lot of other people did too. And in the end, you know, the Jackson stands one and I'm going to keep beating that drum. And that is wide receiver rankings. Final edition, top 12, uh, like you've said, really fun class, guys. You know, second and even third round where you are excited about what they can be at the NFL level. Obviously, not all of these players will have major roles on their on their teams and all of that, but guys that have enough talent where there is pathways and there is excitement around these names. Um, I know that the class does not only extend. 12 names deep colin so are there any other wide receivers that you'd like to shout out yes i'm gonna run through my top 12
1: real quick just to give everybody a Ooh, quick good call. reminder i would uh, do the same i so uh, i'll go one to 12 we got jackson smith and jigba jordan addison Quentin johnson say flowers josh downs jonathan mingo Jaden reed rasheed rice marvin mims Jalen Hyatt, Tank Dell, and then Cedric Tillman to
0: round it out. And my top 12 was Jackson Smith and Jigba. Number one, Jordan Addison. Number two, number three, Zay Flowers. Number four, Quinton Johnson. Number five, Jonathan Mingo. Number six, Josh Downs. Number seven, Cedric Tillman. Number eight, Jaden Reed. Number nine, Marvin Mims Jr., Number 10, Jalen Hyatt. Number 11, Rasheed Rice. And number 12, Tyler Scott.
1: All right. So for my honorable mentions, I have my wide receiver 13 is Michael Wilson. uh, Arizona Cardinals. Yep. Uh, Number my wide receiver 14, the man, the myth, the legend. Oh, you didn't do it. Kay booty <laughs> <laughs> can't quit him, Can't quit him. Oh, man. uh, and then, uh, Charlie Jones. I have my wide receiver 16 Hutchinson's my wide receiver 17. And then yeah. it's just kind of, you know, a crap shoot from there.
0: Yeah. Yep. Um, Michael Wilson is the big one for me. He just misses the cut on the, on the top 12. He's my number 13 as well. And a player that really, like, interests me as a later pick in this draft. I have him in the late third right now. Arizona. Arizona. Like, what? what is going on You're in right. Arizona? And I think there's a lot of, you know, unknown about Michael Wilson simply based on the fact that we didn't ever get to see him play a full season of college football. But when he did when he was on the field it looked good and obviously if you follow along with this process you know what happened with Michael Wilson coming out of the senior bowl that alone likely propelled him to be a higher draft selection than I think anybody expected in the pre-senior bowl environment so I think there is a there's intrigue here. If, if this player can stay healthy, then he can definitely outperform his uh, draft position.
1: Yeah, especially with the writing on the wall with DeAndre Hopkins yep. likely leaving Arizona. Exactly. And they are moving into their next phase, and this is the first wide receiver pick of the new regime over in Arizona. So I- I'm not saying, like, michael wilson is the goat but i am saying that he is a very interesting pick and we're going to keep calling him like the sleeper pick of camp dynasty and i think that wide receiver 13 i have him uh later i have him 32 overall
0: so kind Mm -hmm. of late mid round three yep yep i have him at 35 and Um, I mentioned I have Tank Dell right in that same range, very end of the third round. Um, And then uh, Xavier Hutchinson is the other one that makes my top 48 as it stands right now, just because I think, you know, this is a player that was interesting. He, you know, he gets the day three stamp and he's drafted after Tank Dell, obviously, but in terms of the body you know type and and what he brings i think this is an an interesting name to watch in this room in houston we have like no I idea the, what's gonna happen with the texans it, dude exactly that's what i'm saying like watch the camp reports see if there's any momentum building behind any of these guys because somebody has to get the targets yeah. that brandon somebody's Cooks. somebody's gotta hated. catch the ball <laughs> yeah gets so you in trouble whether, you every know, year <laughs> john mechie Yep. nico collins yep. but it maybe it's one of the rookies so
1: did, you, did they draft a tight end
0: too uh i don't know i don't think no, not so. they, the they signed uh, dalton schultz that's that's so. what i'm thinking of yeah he yep. will catch some passes yep. uh i do i do want to say something about Kayshawn. <laughs> i mean he's he's not in my top 48 not drafting him uh tale of two players with him and Jackson. That's, that's what I'm going to say. I mean, this was my number two wide receiver going into the season and just what a face plant, what an absolute face plant by this, by this player on and off the field. I mean, there's just so much, so many red flags and you know, I, there's already reports coming out that he might not make the team. And so that, that tells you all you need to know.
1: I saw a camp clip, and it was of Christian Gonzalez. So uh, I'll put that out there in front of it. And uh, it was like, look at this fluid movement. And that's like what the caption was, and they didn't have jerseys on. And I was like, is that Kayshawn? He is moving. <laughs> and I was like, there is no way. And then I looked in the, the replies, and I was they're like, man, Christian Gonzalez was a steal. I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah Christian Gonzalez, he's really good. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, my last three that are in my top 48 that just barely made it, they're 45, 46, and 47, because I didn't know what to do with them, are yep. A.T. Perry, Pukunukua, and Parker Washington. They're just thrown okay. on there because I didn't know yeah. what to do with them.
0: Some flyers, some flyers, yeah. yeah. Guys that I didn't make my didn't make my cut, but maybe some UDFA's for me that I'm keeping my eye on, depending on what we hear out of out of the camps there. But yeah, man, that's wide receivers. And what a year. What a class. A lot of conversation. You know, a lot of you know, these guys were the subject of a lot of camp discussions during the season. Some really really, you know, great college football wide receivers in this group and I'm excited to see what we get from them in the NFL. So um Yeah, that's it. So next week is obviously tight ends, which is going to be, you know, a very interesting conversation because very interesting uh, yeah like there are some names that i don't think we've really broached here that i think we're gonna have to <laughs> we're gonna have there's to guys talk that about I have to watch <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that is true um that is true so i'm not sure exactly how deep we'll go on the class but there are a lot of guys because this is you know it's been dubbed as a historic tight end class so i want to make sure we do our due diligence and and get as deep as we need to on these players
1: we need a historic tight end class pretty we bad
0: desperately need a historic class it's like and i writers, hope it i hope it lives up to it
1: tight end one and two are like kelsey and andrews and then you could like close your eyes and randomize the list and the third guy will come up it's like Oh yeah, TJ Hawkinson's like, well, he had one fifty point game. That's why he's the tight end three. And it's like, ah, Evan Ingram. <laughs> it's like, really? This is where we are. Number seventeen, Evan Ingram on the Jags. Like, all right.
0: Well, just in case anybody forgot, uh, I just want to remind everybody that Kyle Pitts is younger than Dalton Kincaid. So just food for thought. I almost for forgot anybody forgot Kyle who Pitts has, existed. Yeah. So just, you know, haters keep hating. We'll see. Chig. (laughs) Don't sleep on the doctor of chigonomics either. Okay. This is the unquestioned tight end one in (laughs) Tennessee, where there are targets to be had. Yeah. So
1: somebody's got to catch
0: passes. (laughs) All right. Well, fun talking about wide receivers this week. If you enjoyed what you heard. Follow us at camp underscore dynasty on Twitter and camp.dynasty on TikTok. Also, check out the YouTube channel, which is Camp Dynasty. We have video feeds of the pods going up. So, check that out. Also, like, subscribe, rate, review all of those fun things to the pod feeds wherever you are listening. We appreciate that as well. So, yeah,
1: share. You can Share. comment on my interesting nasally voice. That's what uh, one of my coworkers <laughs> said to me. He said I have an interesting nasally <laughs> voice. You can you can leave a comment and say mean things to me about that.
0: Yeah. Just you get concur. a comment. Just get a thread going about Col- breaking down Colin and my voices, and yeah. that would be great.
1: Do it prospect style.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, until next week. our tight end discussion thanks for stopping by camp dynasty this week we'll see you next week